Welcome to Wednesday on the Puro Pelka podcast. It's Mike, and thank you for being here. So many of you tuned in yesterday to the podcast and shared it with your friends. I appreciate it. Please continue to do so. It's kind of important. Oh, we have so many things to get to today. First of all, happy, happy, happy National Peach Pie Day. Peaches are in season here in the uh, Northeast, so we're enjoying them. But I'm not baking a pie. I'm just slicing them and gobbling them up. But happy Peach Pie Day. Uh, A lot of things happened on this day back in the day in history. Spain in 1821 accepted Mexico's independence And in 1853, the potato chip was allegedly invented at Moon's Lake House in Saratoga Springs, New York. The potato chip, over 100 years old, over 150 years old now, and delicious, each and every one of them. I haven't met a potato chip I did not like. Well, some of the weird flavored ones are a little hard to swallow. On this date in 1992, 30 years ago, uh, Category 5 Hurricane Andrew ripped through Florida, did like $26 billion worth of damage. It was a horrific hurricane and took many, many lives as well. On this date in uh, 2006, Pluto was downgraded from planet to a dwarf planet. Are we allowed to say that? Can we use that word, the dwarf planet? I didn't know if we were allowed. It might be politically incorrect. And a year ago, we're still marking the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan. One year ago when the Biden administration just blew it so badly, it was a uh, horrific mess of a withdrawal. And I remember Joe Biden laughing about the Afghanistan withdrawal when he was confronted about America's disapproval. A question on the public response. A new poll out today shows Americans wanted to withdraw from Afghanistan, but they disapprove of the way you've handled it. Poll also found that based in part on what's transpired in the last week, a majority of Americans, and forgive me, I'm just the messenger, no longer consider you to be competent, focused, or effective in the job. I haven't seen that poll. It's out there um, from CBS this morning. Joe actually laughing at the question from the reporter and then saying, oh, I I haven't seen that poll. And then he was pressed again about guaranteeing that every American will be out before the troops leave. And he walked away, turned around and walked away from the podium. Just embarrassing. I guarantee every American will be out before the troops leave. Sanctions Can you guarantee? Did, did sanctions come up at all in the G7 meetings? No, there he goes. Just walks out. Yeah, Peter Ducey trying to get a real question asked. It's so sad. A year ago, a couple of days from now, we will again honor the 13 lives we lost, the 13 American military members who were killed when the bomb went off at Abbey Gate. And now we know because the inspector general's office has done a little more in-depth inventory. It looks like $7 billion worth of military equipment was left in the hands of the Taliban. John Kirby was pressed on it uh, at one of the Pentagon press conferences. Uh, He really dodged it. Is there any uh, effort to tally up the number of U.S. weapons and equipment that are now under Taliban control 
And is there any program to mitigate this problem through destruction or confiscating them back, taking them back? Yeah, Mike, we, I mean, we talked about this uh, before. I, I don't have an exact inventory of what uh, equipment the, that the Afghans had at their disposal that, that now uh, might be at risk. Obviously, uh, we don't want to see any, um, any weapons or systems uh, that uh, to fall into hands uh, uh, of people that that uh, that would use them in such a way to that that to uh, to harm our interests or those of our uh, our partners and allies. Yeah. I mean, uh, we have a vested interest, obviously, in in, in not wanting that to happen. Um, but I don't have any policy solutions for you today uh, about uh, how we would uh, or could address that going forward. Well, that certainly was a gigantic screw up, wasn't it? Why wasn't there a list, an inventory of all the stuff that we had there? Seven billion dollars. And so much of it, the Taliban sold off to fund all of their other efforts. Thirteen American military members gone. Hundreds of Americans still there. Hundreds of Americans still, still there. Mm. Big news of the day today, of course, is uh, the Biden administration going to forgive, apparently, um, this podcast being recorded in the morning, going to forgive up to $10,000 in student loan debt. Just an awful idea. Nancy Pelosi in April had thoughts on the forgiving of student loan debt. And I might say this is one of the first and maybe only times I agree with Nancy Pelosi on something. I support People her. People think that the president of the United States, is this more on the subject than you ever want to know? Will you let me know? People think that the president of the United States has the power for debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone. He can delay. But he does not have that power. That would has to be an act of Congress. So I'm guessing, Nancy, People that if uh, Joe Biden does this, and forgives this debt that you'll consider it illegal and you might file articles of impeachment? No, of course you won't. Of course you won't. This is an out-and-out bribe for voters for the midterm elections. Yeah, that's absolutely what it is. You don't have to go back that far to uh, 2020 during the campaign when Elizabeth Warren was in Iowa still thinking she could be the president. But remember, if she had a penis, she would be the president. That's what she told in an interview two weeks ago uh, this coming Friday. But Elizabeth Warren was on the campaign trail, and the discussion was about student loan debt because she wants it all forgiven. Well, she'd like at least 50 grand of it forgiven. But Elizabeth Warren was out there trying to bribe people, pushing this idea. And a father asked a question, a father who had sent his kids to school and uh, scrimped and saved and lived a very, very economical life so they could pay off their student loans. But Elizabeth Warren, well, I, I, I think she found it offensive. I'm having her time. Yep. Hello. Uh, I just want to ask one question. My daughter's getting out of school. I saved all my money. She doesn't have any student yeah. loans. Am I going to get my money back? Of course not. So you're going to pay for people who 
didn't save any money, and those of us that did the right thing get screwed. No, it's not even like that. Of course we did. My buddy had fun, bought a car, went on vacations. I saved my money. He made more than I did. But I worked a double shift, worked extra. My daughter's work, she was 10. So you're laughing. Yeah, that's exactly what you're doing. We did the right thing, and we get screwed. I appreciate that. Yeah, that father was correct. We did the right thing and we get screwed and you're laughing at us. She immediately said, no, no, you're not going to get your money back. That's not how this works. It really is offensive to me. And it should be offensive to everyone. It's not the right thing. It's not fair. And these are the people who are always telling us that everything is about fairness. And the money just doesn't get forgiven. It gets piled into the debt that we all owe. So it becomes part of the debt that the country has to pay, which means all of the money they told us the Inflation Reduction Act was going to save us is now tacked back onto our debt in less than a week. Boy, that was fast, wasn't it? It really was. Oh, these people are insane. And then there was the uh, the couple of magic moments yesterday with Dr. Fauci on Neil Cavuto's show. Dr. Fauci announces uh, he's stepping out of his his big role in government. He's still going to be hanging around. Don't don't be fooled. Dr. Fauci's now saying he's going to be a mentor, so he'll still be around and drawing a three hundred fifty thousand dollar a year pension, and I'm sure a lovely benefit plan as well. But he stopped by Neil Cavuto's show yesterday and uh, was caught in a a couple of curious statements asked about the covid lockdowns uh etc and uh, so doctor when the wall street journal took a look at states that locked down and, and states that didn't lock down nearly so much and concluded we now know that states that locked down uh fared no better and sometimes worse than those states that didn't what do you think of that You know, I really question those data. Neil, I'm sorry. There are many people who statistically looked at those data and disagreed with that. Because when you look at lockdown, there's so many other things that go along with that. And there's been a lot of pushback on that type of a conclusion that states that locked down did as well or better than states that didn't. I I think that there's a lot of debate about that. No, no, there's not a lot of debate about that. There's the reality that places like Florida and Texas and South Dakota, GOP-run states, did so much better than New York and Pennsylvania and New Jersey and California, those Democrat-run states. But, you know, Fauci never lets the truth get in the way of his, his opinion and his propaganda. Cavuto pushed him a little bit on the... Uh, damage of keeping people especially kids in lockdown in retrospect and doctor, did do you regret we... that it went too far whatever your original intentions were and it's easy to be a monday morning quarterback here but that it went too far that particularly for kids uh who, who couldn't go to school except remotely that it's forever damaged right. them well i don't think it's forever irreparably damaged anyone but i think obviously and you if you go back and People selectively, Neil, pull things out about me. Uh, no. We have your quotes. We have your words. You told people that they have to wear a mask. Then you said the mask doesn't do anything. Then you said, oh, you have to wear two masks. 
Uh, we have all of your flip-flops, Dr. Fauci, and I cannot wait until after the midterms, the next Congress, and God willing, if the GOP takes control of the House, we will have hearings led by Jim Jordan that will force you to testify. Seriously, I, I don't mind forcing Dr. Fauci to testify. I can't wait. Speaking of uh, the uh, midterms, uh, we do have a couple other bits of news coming up. Uh, the uh, Mitch McConnell quote about the Senate looking like it's not really a strong possibility for the GOP has the mainstream media all loving Mitch McConnell. Kind of like the way they fell in love with you-know-who, Liz Cheney. Mainstream media just gushing over Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell recently said that he felt like uh, the Senate could actually go either way. Sort of surprising to come from him. He said that the quality of candidates will be an important factor. I love that he said that, Anne-Marie. The quality of candidates. I mean, we're talking about Herschel Walker, who's been yeah. caught up in a variety of controversies. Yeah. You mentioned Dr. Oz. Yeah. Uh, and even in Arizona, there are people who are looking at Arizona and saying, you know what, Senator Mark Kelly has a good chance of keeping that seat. Hmm, interesting. All of these hollow accusations against Dr. Oz, against Herschel Walker, no, no specifics, just allegations, hollow, baseless allegations. But they also can't believe that they side with Mitch McConnell. They can't believe they agree with him. It's almost as if there was a script handed to these uh, lefty mainstream media anchors and contributors. I can't believe I'm saying this, but Mitch McConnell is right. Mitch McConnell is right about candidate quality. I agree with Mitch McConnell. can't believe I'm saying this. I agree with him that the quality of candidate really does matter much more. Yeah, so let's dive into the uh, quality of candidate issue with one of the more important races, and that is in the Pennsylvania Senate race, where this lieutenant governor, who really doesn't have any, any political wins to his background to point to, John Fetterman, the guy who runs around in the cargo shorts and the hoodie, pretending he's just one of the people. Uh, Fetterman, who suffered a stroke earlier this year, but didn't really tell his office he had a stroke. He was in hiding and then after he did finally alert his campaign that he had a stroke, he stayed in hiding for weeks and weeks and weeks, only coming out a couple of weeks ago with a brief 10-minute address. And then yesterday he had a five-minute event where he spoke. And I have to tell you, he still sounds like he's not completely healed. What is wrong with demanding for an easy safe kind of their income, a path to a safe place for them to win, or excuse me, to, to work and make sure that we deliver what we need to, to make sure we deliver an advocate for the sacred union way of life. Now, he was in front of a union hall and trying to rally the Democrat base of union people. And I don't know if that's going to win. Because a lot of the working folks jumped over to the Trump train when Donald Trump was out there pushing for the average Joe. Fetterman puts on a hoodie and the cargo shorts 
and tries to make it look like he's one of them after getting off the line. But he just doesn't sound like he's quite back all the way. And his policies are in line with Bernie Sanders. He's completely in lockstep with Bernie Sanders. But on top of that, I just don't think he's healed. He hasn't agreed to do a debate with Dr. Oz, and I don't think it would go very well if Oz faced off against this guy. If I'm your next senator to Washington, D.C., guess what? You're still going to have a senator that's going to be living across the street from your steel plant. I'm going to be the kind of senator that's going to be living directly across the street with a union hall. Yeah, there's something not right there. And I hope he's honest with his uh, team and honest with his constituents and can get well because you can come back. We have so much great advancement now in medical science, especially in the world of, of strokes and helping brains heal that he can come back. But it's his policies that I think that would be most dangerous to America. His policies of releasing all of these people in prison, especially and including murderers. So much more to get to today. Uh, I also have maybe the greatest interview with our friend, Dr. Michael Roizen from the Cleveland Clinic. Dr. Roizen is uh, taking some of your questions as well. You're always welcome to send us questions. And he told me he has a story about one of his research topics that involves a huge celebrity and a really embarrassing moment. And who doesn't want to hear about an embarrassing moment from a huge celebrity? That's coming up next on the Pure Opelka Podcast. It's that time again to talk to our friend, Dr. Michael Roizen of the Cleveland Clinic. And I, I'm getting more and more excited every week, Doc. Uh, September 13th, we'll be here before we know it. The Great Age Reboot, your new book about to be released. Cracking the longevity code for a younger tomorrow. A younger tomorrow. So key for a younger tomorrow. I was reading, Dr. Roizen, a very surprising statistic on how the life expectancy in America dropped over the last two years. And uh, Hawaii was the only place that it really didn't drop by any significant number. But everywhere around the country, life expectancy during the pandemic was uh, falling in, in some places as much as two years, but in, in most states, like a year to a year and a half. And I'm hoping that the Great Age Reboot will help put the brakes on that and start turning it back to a longer life versus a shorter life. Welcome, my friend. I'm privileged to be here. Now, there are two comments to make. One is um, the Great Age Reboot will change that dramatically based on the probability that research in 14 areas of aging mechanisms that have been shown in animals to be able to reboot to a younger age, that one of those will come through in humans. There are now being human tests on it, as we've described in the segment before. But the second thing is, it's a, a erroneous statistic, because it assumes the way it's done by the CDC, that's called life expectancy at birth, and it assumes that we will die at the same rates from the same diseases in the future as we did in the last year. Well, 
we died a lot from COVID in the last year, and hopefully we will not die of COVID at any place near those rates, any place in the future. So it's a misleading statistic. So in the seven, in the 1917 swine flu, life expectancy calculated the same way went down 12 years for both men and women. Huge drop, obviously. But within a year, rebounded to greater or longer life expectancy than before the swine flu, the Spanish flu. So we shouldn't put too much emphasis on this. We should wait for more additional data in the future, and hopefully we will see a rebound like we did in the past. Um, almost certainly. Now, we have another problem in middle America. It's not on the, the coast, so doesn't affect Philadelphia as much, but clearly does affect um, Philadelphia, and that is because it affects every big city, and uh, that is the opioid epidemic. Yeah. Um, and hopefully, just like we are getting rid of uh, tobacco deaths, you know, in 1960, roughly... Um, 50% of Americans, a little less than women than men, smoked. And that caused a large death um, rate um, from 50 to about 1990. And that's decreased greatly as uh, cigarette or tobacco use has decreased to around 12% from 50%. Um, well, we hopefully can do the same with opioids. We've learned a lot of lessons from it, and hopefully we'll do the same. Well, we also have to do uh, something pretty harsh to stop the supply. There was a, a seizure two days ago, doctor, of over a million fake fentanyl pills crossing our border, and they, they looked like the real prescription opioids. And this is just the, the problem that, that I can't even tell you. Over 117,000 deaths last year of people under 40 related to the opioid crisis, the fentanyl crisis. That can't be helping a long-term life number. So we have to be uh, mindful on, on the pharmacy level and on the crossing the border level. We have to attack this on every front. So I hope we can do that. Uh, can I ask yeah, so. Go ahead. A lot of this, wait, before I get out, let me just do one more minute. A lot of this is people buying over-the-counter drugs, methamphetamine, etc., thinking they're just methamphetamine. But the drug sellers are trying to hook you on them more than that and put a little fentanyl in it. Well, unfortunately, they don't measure that little a lot well. And so if you buy stuff like that, you're risking death. And so there are two solutions. And the best one is don't try it once. Don't buy drugs over the counter, um, meaning street drugs that you don't get from a regular pharmacy. Yeah. Yeah. And the second, yeah. so don't try it once. And the second is make sure that you got a buddy with you who's got a Narcan syringe with your name on it, just in case. 
It's so weird to me that we have to think about, hey, we're going to party tonight. Who's got the Narcan? We have designated drivers in the uh, in the 90s, and now we have designated Narcan holders in, in this era. It's such a bizarre turn, Doc. I, I hope we can solve this. Um, I, I have another question that I have to ask you. Maybe a couple questions around this. You know how much I like to do my homework for our discussions. So uh, I was uh, flipping through the... Uh, the journal Fertility and Sterility to try and see, you know, how many times a month should you be um, having sexual congress in order to keep yourself healthy? And uh, they claim uh, in that one journal that um, activity at least three times a month was linked to milder COVID infections. So should we have been telling people to um, have a little um, uh, horizontal uh, tango to to make COVID less severe? You know, when we came out in 1999 with the data, we summarized the data. There were four studies in that era. There now are, I think, six. that all say the same thing. The more orgasms you have as both a man and a woman um, per week, the younger your rate or the slower your rate of aging, the younger you are. We have data that um, the average 55-year-old man, for example, has uh, 58 um, orgasms a year, roughly one a week. If he increased that to three a week, he'd be about uh, eight years younger. Really? At six six a week, six to seven a week, which is every day, he's about 16 years younger. We don't have enough data on people who do it more than once a day, but it looks like it was pretty linear. Hmm. So um, for women, uh, because of the multiple orgasms per sexual encounter, they did Are You Satisfied is the way they rated that. And uh, women who were satisfied um, with both quantity and quality, and believe it or not, there was a big problem with quality in America, but women who were satisfied with both quantity and quality were the 16 years younger. That's amazing. And that's good data. That is good data from years and years and years. Now, there was a 2004 study in the Journal of uh, Psychological Reports that talked about the antibody response of the immune system, which obviously defends against infection, was made stronger by regular sexual congress. Did you see the same? Um, you mean, was that was that part of the data? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. We don't. We look at all cause mortality rather than individual processes. But that may that is one of the studies that supported the all cause mortality method. Okay, okay. I have one more question that was uh, sent to me from uh, Roger, who listens all the time, and he said, "You know, you and Dr. Roizen talk all the time about progress made against cancer, and there was something about." cancer being reversed in mice have we had an update on that are they trying that now in uh, human trials whatever that reversal of cancer in mice was 
Well, there are there is huge progress in cancer as far as uh, knocking out cancers. We're we're going at it, um, uh, if you will, in, in immune therapy ways and big ways, and it's being successful. Um, but we're not reversing all cancers yet. Well, we're getting there, and that's good. All right, looking at some of the research you sent me, some of it's really fascinating to me. I hear people talking about t- eating beets and eating beet gummies and all this stuff. Are those things really helpful, and are there real health benefits to consuming beets? Well, beets have anti-inflammatory, and um, they they have a lot of incredibly good effects, and they taste good. Uh, beets are a true powerhouse. I don't know about beet gummies, whether you get the quantity or the quality that you need, So, but I do know whole beets do. Okay, yeah, um, and you can, the, make a, uh, you can make a borscht, One thing too. I want to remind you of. Yes? One thing, exactly. One thing I want to remind you of. I had a famous patient who calls me at, I think it was about 2 or 3 or maybe 4 in the morning, and she said, I'm peeing blood, I'm pooping blood. What do I do? It's coming out plentifully. Wow. And so I went through the story with her. And then uh, we we went back over what she ate, and she uh, had a beet salad, and then a beet uh, major course, and a, another set of beets. And so the red was really the red from the beets. <laughs> it's um, it's kind of like me after St. Patrick's Day and the green beer. Right. So um, that was Oprah. Oh um, wow! So it was. Her sudden uh, concern. So she told that story on uh, TV <laughs> so I can repeat it. Okay. <laughs> Very good. So beets are good for you, but be ready for the red invasion during your elimination, people. Just just know. Now, Doc, people, Correct. people talk about their brain getting tired. Does your Can your brain really get tired? And, and what the heck is that? And well, what causes is- it? This is a new study. You know, we never thought, can your brain get tired from too intense thought? And uh, this is a story um, out of one of our better universities um, where they looked at what was going on and they found in the frontal cortex, which is the prefrontal cortex, which is the very, very front part of your brain, after intense thinking, you produce a lot of glutamate. Glutamate, it otherwise, is a sedative for your brain, and that's what's happening. After you're producing uh, the waste product of glutamate, and it's making you uh, tired huh. after intense thinking. So it really is a true thing. So you can t- say, after this radio show and answering all these questions, your brain really is tired and needs to go on the golf course. Well, that's an excellent uh, prescription, and I am going to save this audio clip and share it with my wife. Uh, I'm ordered to go on the golf course because I have too much glutamate coming out of my brain. My my prefrontal cortex is pumping out the glut. It's brain poop that must be dealt with on the golf course. So I will do that. I, I, and actually, I thought you were going to tell the sexual stories. I will tell that too, but I'll do that. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta use one bullet at a time, Doc. You know what I'm saying? I, can't, I can't fire everything. 
Everything is situation dependent. I'll say I'll save that card. I'll play that Trump card when I need to. Uh, Dr. Rosie, you are so generous with your time and your information. And um, I, I love the fact that you want the audience to write to us and send us questions. So go ahead and send me questions for Dr. Royce and we'll we'll grill them like a cheese sandwich and see what we can come up with. And then as we get closer and closer to the release of the Great Age Reboot, we'll start doing some stuff from that great new book as well. My friend, thank you so much. My privilege. Thank you. 